the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Week 8 betting preview where we talk about our favorite totals, teasers, underdogs, and, of course, we build our weekly Sunday six-pack of best bets against the spread with the help of my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What is good, brother? What's going on, brother? Coming off my first losing weekend of the year, so I can't complain about uh, heading into week eight, and I certainly wasn't as good as you. You swept the entire card from the <laughs> podcast last week. Every side, total, teaser, everything. The one that hurt the most is the... But it was I consider it a bad play because I didn't beat the line. The line went the other way. The projected final score I had was Broncos by 10. Um, <laughs> I, I see that Nick Giffen and Kerner had a Broncos by 9 in our luck rankings. Uh, Zach Wilson was a 30% success rate for the second straight week on the road and got a win. He gets downgraded again. He's now the worst quarterback in the NFL per my ratings. So he's dropped below Davis Mills. The Jags. A couple unlucky breaks, like fumble at the one, a fourth down miss, miss sneak. Daniel Jones throws a pick, but he got hit in the head. But I made that Jags by two, so not a good play. I think the Jags probably win that game more often than not, but you got to cover three. I don't think they should have. My The unluckiest play by far, I had the Colts plus nine, eight and a half to close a tease. Ooh. The Titans don't score an offensive touchdown. Horrendous offensive day again. And at the very end, they get a field goal because Austin Hooper catches like the most miraculous catch I've ever seen in my life. And if that doesn't happen, then they don't get the field goal and the teaser's locked up. But uh, all in all, it was a bad week for me. And like I say, on the good weeks, who cares? It's on to the next. But congrats to you. We should spend more time for your for your uh, sweep of the board. And now it's been a good year. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, you know what we're going to do? Uh, because we did ask people uh, about that Giants-Jags game and which side they were on for. And uh, we, we said we'd give away – a uh, free year of Action Pro to a winner, but we're actually going to go big. We're going to go with eight winners. So we chose pays eight. pays to leave people. reviews. You never know what we're going to do <laughs> giveaways. Yep. So we got eight people here. Each of you gets a free year of an Action Network Pro subscription. So I'm going to read these screen names off uh, and you can contact podcasts with an S at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Again, that's podcasts at Action Network. Dot com. Number one is BTB87. Number two is Chad Pluger. Number three is Austin X03. Four, at Joel Brandau. Five, RMFT69. Six, Samp Says. Seventh is Drewfer. And eighth is ET Mortgage. So uh, congrats to all of y'all. Hit up podcast at actionnetwork.com. To claim your prize and thank you again for the uh, review. We'll try to do more fun stuff like that going forward. So uh, we'll get into the Thursday night football preview and then we'll crack open a Sunday six pack. 
Uh, just a quick heads up to our listeners, NBA is back. That means the return of Buckets Action Network's basketball betting podcast with new episodes every weekday this NBA season. So if you want to bet daily hoops like absolute NBA freak Stucky here, check out Buckets wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into Thursday night football. And we got the Tampa Bay Bucks and your Baltimore Ravens. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So the line is bucks by one and a half. Uh, this line has been kind of jumping around. Uh, the Ravens are favored at one point. Mark Andrews, is he going to miss the game? He didn't practice all week. Uh, the total is 45 and a half, but uh, what's going on with Andrews? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's a Wednesday for a Thursday game. So if you go back historically, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I don't I mean Gus Edwards is questionable, Bateman is questionable, Stanley is questionable. They list the Andrews as questionable, Josh Bynes, Brandon Stevens, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. I I don't know. And then on the other side, you have Tampa, who's good I think down maybe five potential starters on defense like some mm-hmm. would start Carl Davis is, is out cornerback yeah. uh Winfield is out Murphy Bunting, Murphy is Bunting out. Hicks um is probably not going to play and then they're you know their receivers you have Gage get hurt Gadecki their offensive lineman is out yeah. we don't know about Julio like this is just a mess so I I don't know um I have no I, I without knowing who's going to play this game it's really tough I will tell you with the both of these teams are really perplexing the Ravens could easily be seven and zero right now but their defense is 30th in EPA per play if you remove turnovers the Ravens defense is 30th in EPA per play if you remove turnovers but on the flip side like you know Justin Houston returned last week looked really good you're gonna get Bowser back soon you, know, you guys like Pierre Paul who's not great anymore but they just added more depth for the pass rush one of the biggest pr- and then you know they're gonna get Marcus Williams back as well slot corner is still a major issue I would worry about Godwin having a big day here and they really miss Kyle Fuller from earlier in the year. But I actually think this is a good matchup for the Ravens' defense because I, I think they're outside outside of the Godwin matchup because the Bucs cannot run it. They cannot run it. They're dead last in EPA per rush. Their offensive line is a mess. Um, you know, they're also missing Bray. And I think the Ravens' corners on the outside match up very well with the Bucks' receivers. And, I, you know, so – then on the other side, it's like, can the Ravens' offense take advantage of this shorthanded Bucks defense? I don't know. I mean, the Ravens' offense is now trending down. Like, you got Bateman back and Stanley back. Well, you think now we don't know tomorrow night, but they looked awful. They only had, they all looked awful against the Browns, and they have not been the same explosive offense that we saw earlier in the year. And then the Bucks are just completely lost on offense. You cannot back them right now. I cannot. I would not tell anyone to bet the Bucks right now until you see some form of life. Like, I know it's like, oh, it's Tom Brady. No, you're just throwing money away. I mean, they're losing at the Steelers with all their backups. Backups in their secondary. At the Panthers with P.J. Walker and backups in their secondary. And they can't score. I, I know Mike Evans drops an 80-yard touchdown of the game. But other than that, they I mean, it, their offense has looked completely inept all Tom season. And, yeah, Booty. I mean – <laughs> Father Time is still undefeated. Now, he has not been the sole culprit of this. There's injuries. The offensive line's a mess. They can't run it. The play calling is awful. We'll see. Um, yeah, it's a short week. Throws a wrench into this. I really have no idea. I really have no idea how to handicap this game, especially because 
where there's so much uncertainty on the injury front. I will tell you, you know, it's uh, the Ravens historically, and this is a really short spread in the first half, are ama- an amazing bet, generally speaking. And, th- and they're 0-7 this year on the fourth quarter spread for what it's worth. I think Harbaugh just has great game plans and they're very well coached because if you look back over the last 25 years, you know the two most profitable quarterbacks are against the spread in the first half? Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. So common denominator there is not speed. Uh, it's, it's John Harbaugh. So go, betting the Ravens first half against the spread is never a bad idea. I've learned that over the years, but I don't think I'll be betting this unless like I get clarity on the injury situation one way or the other and – uh, you know, you'll have to keep an eye on the action network app. This is, uh, yeah, a mess from an injury standpoint. Yeah, and it's it's weird to me that, you know, the line moved back in favor of the Bucks, but, like, the guy who I'm thinking would be most responsible for moving that line is Mark Andrews, but yet the total is still staying at 45 and a half. I would think the total would come down a half point or something. So I, I can't even explain what's going on with the line move at, at, at the moment, but... Yeah, I, I I agree. You can't back the Bucks. I mean, Tom Brady. It, it's this is what happens when you, you're a 45 year old quarterback, but he's throwing short of the sticks on third down a lot more than I ever remember him doing, and and missing more throws. Right. Oh yeah, that ever. too. But I mean, you know, did you see that fourth down throw towards the end of the game? Yeah, that looked like Zach that. Wilson was out there. It was it was ugly, man. Like I just. It's almost like I didn't recognize the guy sometimes. It's like sometimes he looks like Brady, but I don't know if it's because he's older now. I don't know if like what it is, but if it's just he's like he doesn't trust the line. But it's almost like he's he's like spooked in the pocket to where he's just like it's like third, it'll be like third and ten. He'll take one step and just dump it to Fournette or dump it to a receiver running like a four yard in or something like that or a slant. Everything they're trying to get everything after the catch and it's not working. So. It's just weird to me that like, I know they have issues with the interior line and, and whatnot, but it's, it's just weird to me not seeing Brady at least hang in the pocket a little bit to try to make something happen because it's like nothing's happening. It's like it'd be one thing if they were winning games and their defense was playing well and they were still winning games, but they haven't been winning games. Yeah, they're a mess right now. I kind of gravitate toward the under, you know, Thursday night. It's just I can't for the life of me explain why the total is not dropping if Andrew, Andrew's the biggest name, like by far. Uh, this might be one you just want to kind of stay away from or, or check the app, uh, see if we've been any props. Let's jump into the Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right. So I think you were up heading into the week, but the sweep put me up by two. Uh, I also have first pick this week, so... Yeah, I think it's 20, 24, 22. 22. Yeah. For my first pick of the Week 8 Sunday Six Pack, presented by FanDuel, I am going with the Carolina Panthers, plus four and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. And this Atlanta Falcons team, I don't even know if they should be weighing a field goal here. Um, you know, they had a nice run, six and one against the spread. All came as an underdog. Now they're four and a half point favorites against this Panther team. But I actually think this Panther team uh, is going to, you're going to get a really good effort out of this Panther team for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, this team actually is kind of rallying behind Wilkes and they they want him to get the job. So 
they're a motivated team. They also, they don't feel like they're out of the division, especially after beating Tampa Bay. So they have confidence. Uh, they're motivated. And I think they're going to smell blood here in Atlanta. And obviously everyone's going to look at this and say, okay, but you know, it's PJ Walker. But when you look at PG, PJ Walker, like most quarterbacks, especially like most, you know, second and third string quarterbacks, what does he struggle with? Pressure. Obviously, that's what every quarterback struggles with. The lower down the depth chart you are, the more you're likely to struggle under pressure. But this Falcons defense is dead last in the National Football League in generating pressure on the quarterback. 12.7% of opposing dropbacks do the Falcons generate pressure. That is dead last. So from a clean pocket, P.J. Walker has a 115 passer rating. That's that's pretty good. You know, it's just like any other uh, starting quarterback. So I don't think that the Falcons defense is going to bother this Carolina offense much at all and, and give you the bad PJ Walker here. And also the Falcons now they can't cover either. They lost Casey Hayward and they lost AJ Terrell now too. So AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. Jalen Hawkins are starting safety as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Hayward and Terrell, I mean, that was actually it. We, we talked about this coming into the year, like reasons why we liked the Falcons and we wanted to bet on them and they probably were going to be feisty and cover a lot of spreads because maybe they don't get pressure, but at least they could cover on the outside. Now that's kind of compromised. Uh, Hayward and Terrell gave up a 62.7 completion percentage uh, and 7.97 yards per attempt. The rest of the defense, 79.5 completion percentage, 8.5 yards per attempt. And uh, so, th- and those two guys covered about 25% of the targets this year for the Falcons. So having both of them out is a pretty big loss. And this Falcon, uh, this Carolina offense, I think can do enough here. If you're not going to pressure PJ Walker, he's starting to form a connection with DJ Moore and the Panthers also, I mean, I was still impressed with the way they were playing against that Bucks defense. They were moving the ball on the ground and you know, that's still a pretty good Bucks defense, even with, you know, some guys going down in the game, but they went off for uh, 176 yards and a touchdown on 26 carries. The Falcons are 26 in run defense DVOA. So I think the Panthers still be able to run the ball. And I think they're going to be able to throw the ball because you're not going to get pressure on, on Walker. And then on the other side, you know, the Panthers defense is better against the run than the pass, which is always ideal when you play the Falcons. They're 13th in, in run defense DVOA. And this Falcons team is, you know, you have Marcus Mariota. Well, okay, he's not going to really hurt you throwing the ball anyway. But Carolina, 1.76 yards per carry allowed to quarterbacks. That is the lowest mark in the NFL. They allowed just 21 yards on 10 carries to Daniel Jones in week two. Just 26 yards on 12 carries to Kyra Murray in week four. So this Panthers defense... Shut down mobile quarterbacks. They're pretty good against the run. And on offense, you're not going to get pressure on P.J. Walker. I don't see how you're giving me four and a half points here. And on top of that, like, it's funny that I think, I really think this line is like this just because it's like everyone thinks P.J. Walker is the worst quarterback ever. But P.J. Walker is actually three and one against the spread. His average cover is by 20.4 points a game. Last week against Tampa, Plus 13 and a half, 121 to three. Then he had he was plus 10 against the Rams, lost 24-10. So that was only a four-point miss. Uh November 14th, 2021 at Arizona, plus seven. The Panthers win 34 to 10. That's a massive swing. 
and uh, plus three at Detroit in November of 2020, uh, and they shut him out 20 nothing. So uh, <laughs> PJ Walker has actually been just fine uh, against the spread, three outright wins as an underdog. I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers win this game. I think they're a more confident team. I think they're a more motivated team. And, and with all Atlanta's injuries, I think Carolina actually might be the better team. So uh, give me Carolina. Yeah, with uh, these secondary injuries, I mean, you're counting on D. Alford. Like you're hoping the Falcons are hoping D. Alford is healthy enough to play with a hamstring injury at cornerback. That's not a great spot to be in. Um, so yeah, I don't hate it. I think I think a lot of this will come. The game will. I will say that a lot of the game will come down to script. Like the Falcons, I know they've gotten in the back door a couple times, luckily, but the Falcons want to play from ahead, right? And then they just want to run the ball and then just kind of lean on you. If you force them to play from behind, it's not going to end well for them. So I I do think that the Panthers will need to either get a lead or stay in this early. Otherwise, I think it really favors Atlanta. And if Carolina does come out and jumps on Atlanta, I think it really favors the Panthers, something just to note. Um, but no, I don't mind this at all. The craziest thing, though, is if the Ravens beat the Bucks and the Ravens are favored, and the Raiders beat the Saints and the Raiders are favored, then the Panthers will be all alone in first place in the division yeah. if they win on Sunday. Solo yeah. first place. In the division. They just fired their coach and traded their franchise player two weeks ago. The this NFC is, is a dumpster fire. Yeah, man. I, I right. really think this Panther team smells blood, too. Like, I've just been watching them. Like, they they have, like, I know you've talked about, like, the, you know, the, the interim coach kind of bump. And it usually wears off. But I, I, I still see it for the Panthers, at least right now. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride them while they're hot. All right. Uh, and by the way, yeah, for what it's worth, riding dogs of uh, over a field goal this year has been a very profitable strategy. 44 and 22 against the spread. Underdogs of over three points this year. Part of that is not surprising because scoring is down. So with scoring down, it makes it harder to build margin. But that is the best start for underdogs of over a field goal through seven games in the last 25 years. All right, let's um, move on to my first pick in the second overall of the Week 8 Sunday six-pack presented by FanDuel. Speaking of the Dumpster Fire NFC and speaking of underdogs of over a field goal, I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals plus three and a half at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, This is a perception play here. I think that people think that the – Vikings are better than they are, and the people think that the Cardinals are worse than they are. But let's break that down a little. And by the way, this is the only time you'll rarely see me play my boy Cliff, but this is pretty much the ideal time. And I'll get into all this. You have Hopkins. It's still not the second half of the season, and he's on the road um, as an underdog. And uh, Kingsbury's 15 3 2 against the spread as a road underdog, 83.3%, covering by 10 points per game. He's won eight straight outright on the road as an underdog. And then Hopkins is back. And for what it's worth, Kyler Murray had his first game with a 100-plus quarterback rating last week of the season. And that was with Hopkins back. He looked great. He targeted him 14 times. He had 10 catches for 103 yards. Murray's a completely different quarterback with him on the field. He op- opens up the field down the sidelines a little bit. And he's just a reliable third-down target. Murray with Hopkins, 9-2. and two. 71% completion percentage, nine touch, excuse me, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 271 yards per game. Without him, he's three and seven, 
a 64% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns to six interceptions, and only 238 yards per game. Arizona overall, with or without Murray, with Hopkins in 27 games, they're averaging 27 points. Without him, in 13 games without him, 18.6, almost 10 points fewer per game. So you got Hopkins in there. You got Cliff on the road. You got no call of duty distractions for Kyler. And if you look at both of these teams, look, Vikings are coming off of a bye. I get it. But Card- Cardinals are coming off the mini the mini bye they played on Thursday night. Kind of mitigates that. Kirk Cousins, for whatever it's worth, I don't know if it's meaningless or not, but it hasn't been great. It's actually been bad off the bye and with extended rest. But if you look at these two teams' profiles, the Cardinals, if you look at their defense, they rank 19th in EP- EPA per play on the season. But – if you've just removed week one, okay, well, we removed week one. Well, we talked about that. We, the game was a farce. They were playing the Chiefs, number one, and they had uh, six starters out on defense. So if you remove that, you know, all those injuries, they're eighth, eighth since week one on defense. So their defense is trending up. Where, where are the Vikings? After playing that Packers team, you know, dropped the 80 yarder. And from week two on, where are the Vikings at? 19th which is where the Cardinals are for the season. So I think that I'll take the Cardinals defense right now over the Vikings defense. The offense also now is Hopkins back. And last week they figured out some things, I think, on the offensive line. Like Rodney, Rodney Hudson's questionable. If he can't go, they were, you know, then you have Pugh was hurt and uh, they had a couple guys get hurt. But they put in Billy Price at center and Cody Ford at left guard. Best protection Kyler Murray has had all year. Sean Harlow, their backup, original backup center, was a disaster. Lowest rated center in the league, played like four games. So the protection looked a lot better against the Saints. I think that even if Hudson doesn't go, they're in much better shape along the offensive line. And then when we look at the Vikings, I just think that they're a complete paper tiger. I mean, they're five and one, but they've, and they've won four in a row. All by one possession against the Bears, Lions, Saints, and Dolphins, and that includes one backup and a third-string quarterback. Miami outgained them 458 to 234 with multiple backup quarterbacks, 6.3 to 4.7 yards per play. They were they lost the turnover battles, oh, 3-0, and they had 100 penalty yards. Lions outgained them, even yards per play, ton of penalty yards too. Saints, even yards, a yard more per play, lost the turnover battle, 105 penalty yards. Bears even, dead even yards per play. These are coin like co- close to coin flip games that the Vikings are winning against backups and bad teams. So I think this sets up for a really good spot for a desperate Cardinals team. They need this game on the road off the mini buy with Hopkins back. Defense is better than people think. Offensive line, I think, is in a better spot than it's been. And this is the spot that you back Cliff. Give me the Cardinals as a road dog. Yeah, I love this play. I already bet the Cardinals. Um, so um, this is a play that I would have drafted if you hadn't taken it. So I know we went head to head last week, but uh, this this week I'll I'll actually just reinforce. Like, by the way, I only took this, this first. I would have taken it second, yeah. but I was like, Rayvon is <laughs> definitely going to take this if I don't take it first. Like, I mean, so the Cardinals' point differential with and without Hopkins since he was acquired plus six with him minus 4.4 without him. That is a 10.4 point swing uh, against the spread differential. Plus 3.4 with Hopkins, minus 4.4 without Hopkins. That is a 7.8 against the spread differential with and without Hopkins. And then you look at this matchup and the Vikings defense, 
31st in DVOA against number one receivers. Well, who do you want to target? Hopkins. They're also dead last against tight ends. That's for Ertz. And then on the other side, the Cardinals are top three in DVOA against number one and number two receivers, which is exactly what you need when you're going against Jefferson and Thielen. And they're sixth against the run. So, like, everything from a matchup standpoint lines up perfectly. The Cardinals have blitzed at the second highest rate. Kirk Cousins passer rating uh, when he's blitzed is only 68.2. So, I mean, everything just lines up perfectly uh, for this Cardinal team matchup wise, like beyond just the trend of, of the Cardinals exceeding expectations on the road. So yeah, I love this. I already bet it. Uh, and I would have taken it. Love it. All right. Uh, for my second pick and the third overall of the week eight, Sunday six-pack presented by FanDuel. I am going with the Washington Commanders plus three at the Indianapolis Colts. And back to your boys. It's my boys. I told you I'm out of Wentz jail. <laughs> like I, I would not bet on this team with Wentz, but I'll do it with Heineke all day. But really, this is a simple one for me. I am getting points with a six-round pick making his first pro start. And I think. Listen, this is what I think is happening with this line. Um, I'm sure some. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some. Heineke and Walker, by the way, you're off to a hot start yeah. with quarterbacks. Oh, so yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, but like, so I, I'm guessing there's probably some some big money at hit uh, the Colts or something. I don't know, but here's what I'm thinking is happening with this line, at least from my vantage point. I think you're getting some Ellinger preseason inflation, and you're getting some Bailey Zappy inflation. Zappy. Because now that people have seen another quarterback who started the year third on the depth chart come in and be better, or at least be better for, you know, look better for a few games than the other two guys on the depth chart. Now I feel like people think anyone can do that. And Ellinger, yeah, in the preseason, he was 24 of 29, 284 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. And he had 71 yards uh, and a long rushing touchdown as well. But I went back and watched every single snap. And it, it was essentially like him playing Madden on rookie. Like the defenders were just leaving w- receivers wide open on his long touchdown run. It was like they were playing man coverage and the seas just parted. And then like th- the last line of defense made the dumbest attempt at a tackle ever. Like, so I'm not reading too much into these, uh, into these preseason numbers. Uh, and I, I get really bad vibes from what's happening in Indianapolis because it would be one thing if, they were transitioning to Ellinger because Frank Reich, you know, kind of, you know, in the back of his mind, he was like, you know, I could probably do so much more with this offense with with a mobile guy. And, you know, he had kind of building up the ideas of how he would switch things up and, and run things. If you had him kind of like Shanahan when he had Jimmy G, but he was, you know, fantasizing about a quarterback like Lance. But what I'm hearing is that this was an Ursay move. And, Ursay was the one that essentially said, no, nah, I want to, we need to play this guy. And Ursay essentially drinking the preseason Kool-Aid. And that is, that just spells disaster because now you're going to have, now you're just going to get like a, a game plan that first of all, we don't know if Reich even wants to come up with it. Second of all, we don't know how good it's going to be. And we're probably just going to get a game plan where, um, you know, they're very one dimensional. They're, they're not really going to do anything down the field, they're just going to do a lot of, you know, a lot of handoffs, you know, maybe some quarterback keepers and stuff like that. But 
yeah, I think that plays right into Washington's hands. I mean, we've talked about this. Washington is number four in DVOA against the run. They're a very good run defense. They're allowing uh, un- well under four yards per carry to opposing running backs over the last five weeks. And they also get pressure at a very high rate. So, you know, Ellinger, yes, he's he can move around, but he also had a 38% pressure to sack rate in the preseason this guy goes down a lot and he's very he had a he had a 3.25 average time to throw 3.25 seconds average time to throw that would be uh longer than everybody except justin fields and you know if you hold the ball against this washington front they're gonna get to you they're gonna sack you um so i, I just don't think and their run has been good so you can't really lean on that yeah so i, I don't i don't think like what he did in a preseason is sustainable at all. It was, it was fun to watch. Like I, I admit it, like, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him. I, it's better than watching Matt Ryan out there. Just, um, you know, waste away his last few games before he just, just like blows up and turns into a rock. The hype is way too much here. So I'm getting three points against, against a, a day three pick making his first uh, start. And by the way, Heineke is kind of the, it's like, okay, Washington has a backup quarterback too. Well, it's a difference. This guy's a backup quarterback who started all of last year, a, a backup quarterback who started a playoff game. Ellinger is a third string guy who the owner kind of meddled in and the coaching staff really probably hasn't even been thinking up ways to use him until like now. And Heineke last nine games since November of last season, seven and two against the spread. One of the, uh, those against the spread losses was by a half a point. So, uh, you know, Heineke has been doing his thing. He threw about 76% of his passes, uh, 10 yards of fewer beyond the line of scrimmage last week. Well, the Colts 26 in DVOA on short passes. So I don't think Heineke has to do too much here. Washington has a lot of guys, you know, Gibson, Samuel, McLaurin, uh, Robinson, a lot of guys that McKissick, they can put the, the, the ball in their hands, get it, just do a, enough, enough here. Uh, I think it's going to kind of be like that Chicago game, you know, like, Ellinger's going to hold the ball a lot. He's not going to really do much, and they're going to struggle to run. And uh, so, yeah, I think Heineke can do enough here. Give me the Commanders plus three in Indianapolis. I, I have no feel here, and I, I just can't get backup quarterbacks right. Like, Rippin, I mean, <laughs> I know that they probably should have won. And anytime I fade them, sometimes they get a, a, a bump on the first, first-time quarterback. So maybe – I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Ellinger. Uh, Heineke is a high-variance quarterback, so, like, is he – he might give you a pick six here or there, and he's going to make some – he's going to try to make plays. So there's definitely some variance in his game. But, yeah, I, I don't disagree with the vibes around the Colts, and it doesn't sound or feel like anything's going right there. And, uh, yeah, if that was a nurse call, maybe he's back into the carrying around a briefcase full of oxycodone <laughs> and hydrocodone and $29,000 in cash. He, I don't know. You should give it to Matt Ryan. He probably needs it after taking out of a damn hit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The offensive line is regressed. It's not I a mean, great situation. You tell me this. Like last week, you were telling me, like, you know, this is absurd that Denver is, you know, has this kind of line in, in a situation where they were in. I mean, we're talking about we are getting points with a third string guy who the owner chose. Like, I don't, I don't see, like, I feel like you take this every time. Like if, if I lose, I lose, it's like, fine. You got me Colts, but like, we're getting points for a day three, third string guy, a third string quarterback, like, you know, like off the rip, like I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah. I don't know why the Colts are giving up too. Like they, 
I mean, I, I can't I can't imagine that Ellinger's gonna be any better than Ryan. And like yeah. they could easily win this division. Like I still think the Jags are gonna win the division. Like the Titans, we'll talk about them later, are horrendous. I mean, they they, they won another game where they couldn't score a, po- a single point on offense. Their schedule coming up, like they got Houston. I think they'll probably they might lose this game, but then they go they go to the Chiefs. They got the Broncos. They're at the Packers. They're they at the Bengals. At the Eagles. At the Chargers. Cowboys. At the uh, Jags. Late. Then you know their only gimmies are like two games against Houston the rest of the way, um, and so this week's not a gimme, but. Uh, you look at their schedule. So the Titans' schedule is very difficult. I don't know why the Colts are giving up. Like you're going to get Leonard back and like just fix some things. But it seems like they're just I, like I, it's the A. It's you know what division you're in. You can still win this crazy, division, bro. You know what it is? It's it's that Ursay is he's emotional now. Like he was emotional since that you know collapse last year. But besides, it's not just that he. You know, they wanted to beat the Jaguars and, and, and do it in Jacksonville. But his his real thing is, like, every year he's like, we got to beat the Titans. We got to beat the Titans. So the fact that they lost to the Titans, he just feels like, okay, we're not good enough to win the division. We don't deserve to win the division. Now he's he's doing some – this is like John Mara when they inserted Geno Smith. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to regret it really quickly. It's yeah. like, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take it. It would be one thing if, like, he was just playing his ass off and like Reich was like, you know, I need a mobile quarterback. I, he's been drawing up, he's been thinking up plays for, you know, five weeks now, but that's, that's not the case. So yeah. Me watch them. All right. For my second pick and the fourth overall, the week eight Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Detroit lions plus three and a half at home against the Miami dolphins. Detroit. Last week, the lions got blown out by Dallas and I played them plus seven and a half and plus seven. I would have made that bet again. Like I think I projected final score was 10, even though they turned it over five times, the yardage was even, they were going in at the one yard line to take the lead at, towards the end of the fourth quarter. Swift didn't end up playing and I'm on Ross St. Brown, who I think was like, he needs to play in this game. And he was going to, he got spotted by one of the spotters for a concussion, didn't have a concussion and was out in like the first play of the game. Massive. They still moved the ball. But I think the market has finally oversold the Lions. Like, what happened to everyone always wanting to bet the Lions at home as a dog over a – and by the way, we got another dog here over a field goal considering that trend. But if you look at what the Lions have done this year, it's like they put up 35 at home on the Eagles. You know, they put up 36 at home on the Commanders. They should have won at Minnesota. I uh, Lose on two fluke touchdowns late because of <clears throat> some fourth, questionable fourth down decisions. Then they, they put up 45 against Seattle, which, by the way, without Brown and without Swift, a 48-45 loss to Seattle now doesn't look as bad. Like, Seattle is legit. So then they go to the Patriots, outdoor pumpkin golf, hurt, and they lose in a bad spot, uh, playing New England off of a loss and blah, blah, blah. That's it. Like, that's the one game where I'm like, uh, I'm really worried about this team. Then, you know, against the Cowboys, one of the best defenses in the NFL – they showed well for me after losing Brown and not having Swift. And so I like them coming home here. And I assume I'm 99.9% sure I'm on Rock St. Brown will play and will be a hundred percent healthy. There's a really good chance. DeAndre Swift plays. I don't know. Really good. Yeah. He should play. Brown. He's uh he's off yeah. the injury report completely. So he should, play. but I he thought he was going to play last year week. So I'm not going to say that. Now but, that was yeah. no, he was, it was, um it, it was pretty 
they they said he was gonna like it was pretty doubtful. Um, he was practicing, but they were kind of like we're we're gonna continue to hold him out to make sure he's one hundred percent. But this week he's not even on the injury report on Wednesday, and he had a full. So uh, uh that, that that he's pretty much guaranteed to be back. Like if you take him off the injury report completely. Well, perfect. So yeah, when their offense has been fully healthy this year indoors, they've de- destroyed, and I think that they should put up a ton of points here. Great offensive line, we know that, and now you're gonna have all of your weapons against a Miami secondary that is depleted. I mean, Byron Jones, PUP last still. I, he might be out for the year at this point. Nick Needham's on IR. Trill Williams is on IR. And then Brandon Jones, who's like, you use yeah. him as like your Swiss Army knife pass rusher. He just went to IR. You're like fourth, fifth and sixth string crossing and Kodu. They missed last week with injuries. Xavier, Xavier Howard is not even fully healthy and he's playing. He's graded out horrendously. He just doesn't look right. He's in and out of the lineup throughout the game. He's I think he's a 80th rated cornerback this year and then you got your boy Igbignogany is who you're relying on Ooh, out like there on the outside very good pronunciation and uh, <laughs> he's awful he's like I mean he's one of the worst rated quarterbacks in the NFL so there's no reason why the Lions shouldn't move the ball will here I lean over here by the way but I, you know so then you look at the Miami offense and yeah like it's I think that people overrate the Miami offense a little bit, like Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Tua, and they've had injuries at quarterback. But in the games that Tua has started, they haven't surpassed 21 points in four of those five starts. The one that they did, they scored like 28 points in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. And, you know, they're four and three with miracle wins like that they shouldn't have against the Bills and the Ravens. They could have lost to the Steelers at home last week. They only scored 16 points against that defense. They got a couple picks late, but they easily could have lost to Kenny Pick, even though he threw three picks. Two or three, five. It's just none of the yeah, can't true. catch any of them. There's, there's something, yeah, there's something off with the offense that I can't put my finger on. Um, now, they're going to have success against this Lions defense, which isn't good, but I liked what I saw last week that, off the bye from a number of rookies that they're now using. So Hutchinson had the best game of his career. He had a couple sacks early that were like scheme based, but these were they like moved him around, beat, right? Like they, they, they were kind moving of, him around. Yeah, yeah. And he like beat. He was taking advantage of matchups, and he like beat his man for a, a couple of really big plays. Kirby Joseph, their rookie safety, is playing well. They put him in in the last couple of weeks. Josh Pascal, they used him at defensive tackle. He didn't have compile a lot of stats, but was huge in that game. Um, went back and watched some of that after reading about him. And then Malcolm Rodriguez, their other rookie linebacker. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. He's been playing. People have known him about him from Hard Knocks. But they have a bunch of rookies in here, and they were like – they looked so much better last week on defense across the board. So I think that they fixed some things after the bye. And Mr. Jeff Okuda, welcome to the NFL, had his best game of by far as a pro last week. He looked really good. He, maybe he's finally starting to get it, and he's trending up. I like the way some of the safeties are playing. So I don't think – I think that this line's defense will keep getting better. Maybe the rookies hit a wall later in the year. But I don't think that they're as bad as some of their numbers suggest. And I, I this Dolphins offense, something is just off with it. And I think that line, the Lions offense will be able to cook. So I'll gladly take the plus three and a half at home with Detroit when everyone seems to be uh, jumping off the bandwagon. They could have won that game last week in Dallas – even without Amon Ra playing, if they don't fumble at the one-yard line on first and goal. Who knows? Dallas goes down the field maybe, but the Lions off oh, defense was playing well. Um, so, I, I yeah, 24-6, to six, very misleading final score last week. 
I like the Lions here. Yeah, looking at the way they match up, Miami likes to play man coverage. They like to blitz well, and, and they're terrible in defending short passes. They're they're bottom three in DVOA yep. against short passes. So that favors golf. The Lions are top ten in efficiency uh, against man coverage, but twenty fifth against zone. So uh, unless the Dolphins switch up their whole scheme, that favors the Lions' offense. So yeah, you I, got you home know, golf, it, home golf indoors. It's gonna be. It's probably gonna be a shootout. Either way, so yeah, I, I don't mind the Lions here at all. You know, all they all they did was cover until they stopped covering, but uh, I think they could get back to it here. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. Okay, for my third and final pick, the fifth overall of the Week Eight Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel, I am going with the San Francisco 49ers minus one and a half against the Los Angeles Rams in LA. And uh, you know, I don't bet road favorites very often, but this is not I, a road favorite. Exactly. I always make an exception for Niners versus Rams. Uh, this I think is, I've gotten this the last two years. I, I've gotten this ahead of you. I was going to take this obviously if you didn't. I mean, let's just, let's just talk about why we love this spot so much. So you have Kyle Shanahan going against Sean McVay and this he's just always had his number. It's like the one coach McVay can't really figure out. I mean, even even when they finally beat him in the NFC Championship game, uh, you know they needed the, the drop pick, they needed the late interception, and they still didn't cover the spread. So the 49ers have now covered six straight games against the Rams, including the postseason. And all time, Shanahan is nine and three against the spread against Sean McVay. And the, one, the two of the non-covers came in when the Rams at the Super Bowl back in 2018 when the Niners were terrible and had, like, C.J. Beathard at quarterback, for what it's worth. Yeah. Like, this current iteration of the Niners uh, pretty much is almost an auto-cover against this Rams team. And so the, the thing, I think, when you want to handicap this is, like, okay, you know, the, you know the trend, and a lot of people might just stop there and just say, okay, that's the trend, I'm betting it. But, you know, I'm trying to look at, okay, what can – McVeigh do to adjust, you know, how, what, what can go wrong here? And uh, in, the, in the NFC championship game, I thought they did some interesting things. They kind of, uh, I think they sold out against the run a little bit more, you know, it's not something that the Rams usually do, uh, you know, kind of loaded boxes and things like that, but like whatever they did, nothing carried over to this year, like week four, 24, nine 49ers, uh, they outgained them by uh, almost hundred uh, 327 to 257. So about 70 yards, they outgain them. What I think is concerning if you're the Rams is the 49ers didn't even have to put up a huge number on the ground, it, it, you know, in, in this week four win. They usually kind of bludgeon the Rams on the ground and they go heavy and, uh, you know, the Rams kind of hesitate to load the box and it's just, you know, they just control the ball. But they didn't really have to do that. And I, I think the issue for the Rams is they're going to lose the matchup on both sides of the trenches, uh, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. On When the Rams are on defense, despite having Aaron Donald, despite blitzing at the 10th highest rate in the league, the Rams have generated pressure 12.9% of the time. If that sounds familiar, that's because it's about 0.2% higher than the Falcons. The Rams are 31st in the league in pressure. So if you can't generate pressure, then then you're not going to stop this offense because you have to pressure Jimmy Garoppolo 
make or make mistakes and, and, and rush throws over the middle and do things. His passer rating under pressure is 60.2. The passer rating from a clean pocket is 106.2. And if you just try to blitz him, well, he's, he's got a 102 rating when he's blitzed, a 93 rating when he's not blitzed. So he's he's better against the blitz than he has been for a number of years now. Uh, so schematically, it doesn't match up. They're not winning the battle in the trenches, even with you know some star power. Uh, Trent Williams wasn't even in that game in the first matchup. He wasn't available. And the Niners still averaged 6.8 yards per play. Jimmy Garoppolo did not get sacked in that game. And he was only pressured on 10%, uh, 10.7% of his dropbacks. On the, from a clean pocket, he had 24 attempts, 10 yards per attempt, touchdown, no picks. Uh, that's what's going to happen. And, you know, okay, Kyle Juszczyk, that's a big loss. Obviously key to a lot of things they do. But when you kind of contrast that with, okay, well, they didn't have Trent Williams in the first matchup and they still were fine and they had no issues. Like you'd much rather have Trent Williams than Juszczyk, even though uh, they're both great players. Williams is still going to be more impactful. And then- Are you worried about Debo not playing? Yeah, so yeah, I was going to get to that. So Debo, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, Debo, obviously a big loss, but- you can, you can, now you have McCaffrey. So like, you're just kind of swapping in another, even if you don't have Debo, you can do a lot of the things you do at Debo with McCaffrey. So like, it, you know, yes, there are some key injuries here, but it's not a field goal. It's it's a point and a half. It's not a road game. There's going to be more red than, than blue and yellow in those stands. And uh, you know, this is the team that just has the Rams number every year. And then the other side of the ball, I didn't even get to the, you know, when the Rams have the ball, their offensive line, I mean, Note Bloom, IR, Edwards, IR, Shelton, IR, Ankrum, IR, Bruss, IR. They're going to start their seventh different offensive line combination. They're facing a Niners defense, you know, that Bosa is healthy. They're second in pressure rate at 27.6%. And Matthew Stafford, he hasn't even been great from a clean pocket this year, just an 89.9 rating. But under pressure, that drops to 69.7. And the Niners don't have to blitz a ton to, to get their pressure. Uh, you know, they're just 18th in blitz rate. And, you know, Stafford is another one that kills the blitz. 115 rating when he's blitz, but 75 rating when he's not. So uh, on the on the on that side of the ball, the, the Niners match up well uh, as well. And, you know, Cooper Cup, he's going to get his. But I don't think the Rams are going to be able to run the ball, averaging just 0.88 yards before contact. Per carry are the Rams. It's 29th in the NFL. Uh, and the Niners are uh, number two in yards per carry allowed to running backs at 3.36. They're fifth in uh, defensive rushing DVOA. And, you know, the only thing you can say is, okay, well, McVay's coming off a bye, but he's one and two against the spread in his last three off a bye. So it's not it's not like this is some automatic, okay, McVay has extra time to prepare, you know, it's guaranteed cover. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I still like the Niners in this matchup. I'm going to continue to uh, bang the Niners side when they play the Rams until uh, the Rams give me a reason not to. Yeah, the one thing I'd be worried about is I, it's hard to, for me to rate the 49ers defense, which I think is one of the top three units in the NFL with all these injuries. Like, you already have Kinlaw on IR. Now Armstead isn't practicing. Like, your depth in the interior is starting to get really thin. Ebucom also didn't practice today with Achilles injury. Greenlaw didn't practice. And, you know, you have some secondary injuries Armstead's really important, especially without Kinlaw. I mean, they moved in the defensive tackle this week last year, and they went from the 15th rated defense against the run to number one 
EPA per rush the rest of the way. This year, without him, they are 24th against the run, and they're 8th with him. 64 rushing yards per game in the three games that he's played. Only one rushing touchdown allowed. 115 rushing yards allowed in the four games without him. Six rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, that, that's the only thing I'd be a little bit worried about. I mean, they were torched last week. It was the, one of their worst defensive performances of the past 25 years. So, yeah, hopefully one or two of those guys can play because the depth is getting a little thin for this 49ers defense. But, yeah, depth taxes and Shanahan over McVay. Um, all right, for my third pick and the sixth overall, the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the – Green Bay Packers plus 11 against the Buffalo Bills. I'm repping the Packers shirt. We are going to try to catch the falling knife. <laughs> and for what it's worth, what gave me a little bit more confidence in this bet, because it's scary, is I'm 7-0 in Packers games this year. So I'm like, all right, I think I have a read. I haven't bet them yet. <laughs> um, mainly been unders and fate and betting against them. But I think that this is the spot. Despite the fact the Bills are off of a bye, despite the fact that the Packers are playing their fourth stadium in four weeks. I'm sure you've heard this by now. This is the first time Rodgers will be a double-digit dog in his career. But I think this is the a perfect buy-low, sell-high spot. It's with a desperation Packers team on the road, with no one giving them a chance now. Against, you know, the Bills, I could see them coming out a bit flat. I know it's going to be crazy, but off a bye, playing, like, he just beat the Chiefs. Could see this, like, a slow start for the Bills. Whatever, if, you, if you're a trends person... Three straight losses and non-covers for the Packers, even though I graded two of those games as wins. Not last week, but the two previous. Playing a team that has won three straight and covered three straight, uh, if you go back past 35 years, you're at about 60%. Teams just have that have lost three straight and not covered three straight, catching 10-plus past 30 years, right about 60%. Right in line with just buy low, sell high philosophy. And I think that this is probably the low point of the Packers market. Let's get into why I think that. And for what it's worth, Rodgers is, is only – he's 3-0 against the spread catching – this is just I find interesting. 3-0 against the spread catching more than six points in his career during the regular season. All three came in this exact same weekend, this Halloween weekend. Twenty Last <laughs> year, he beat, the, he beat the 7-0 Cardinals throwing to, like, Winfrey, who we might have to yeah, throw to this week, by the way. Um, 2018 – he went on the road against the seven and zero Rams, who went on the win, the went on to the Super Bowl, and he lost by two on a late field goal. And then in twenty ten, he beat the six and zero Jets nine nothing. I don't know what went on in that game. Look, and they might have a receiving core this week that is scary. I mean, it might be uh, hobbled Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dubs, Amari Rogers, Winfrey again, maybe Torre. Yeah, it's probably going to be Torre. Winfrey didn't get elevated, uh, um, but wait, Watson like Torrey, is actually though. practicing, so that is a positive. Yeah, we'll see. And, you know, Lazard was in a sling. It's like, it, it's scary. Play. Yeah, I would assume he's not. But I actually, we'll see if they can do anything. I think that they're going to try to run the ball and they'll, they'll try to throw to their backs more. But from a matchup perspective, this is not the worst thing for the Packers. The Bills have been a bad running team all season. They are 28th DVOA, 29th EPA per rush. That's how everyone is just moving the ball on the Bills. So if the Bills want to come out here and try to run it, I'm the Packers. Fine. If you want Josh Allen not to throw it, that's fine. So we'll see if the Bills want to do that. But the Bills don't do that. The Bills throw the ball. They feel like they could throw on anybody. The Packers, by the way, you know, top 10 pass defense. They're first at success rate. And if you look, if you first and drive success rate on the season, 
on defense. Their defense is probably one of the few that you were like, okay, let's let's see what they got against the Bills. You know, one of the best lockdown corners in the NFL. They have some guys who can generate pressure. Rashawn Gary's having a hell of a year. So this is actually a good matchup for them. The offensive line situation last week was also a mess. You had like Bakhtiari get ruled out at the last second. So you hope that Bakhtiari is at left tackle. Jenkins is at left guard, which is what they think the best situation could be to kind of alleviate some of the pressure Rodgers has been on. But the pack, what have the Packers have been doing this year? They have no explosiveness, which everyone can see. They're actually sixth in success rate on offense. And so they're moving the ball much more than people think. And if you look at some of the results, they have like 400 yards, 420 yards. Like last week was a disaster. But the rest of the season, they're sixth in success rate. They're 32nd in EPA per play on late downs, which tends to be higher variance, not as predict- predictive as early downs. They're also dead last in the NFL in fourth down conversion rate. So I don't think the offense is as bad as everyone is making it. Um, and you, the, what the Bills always do very well defensively is they take away explosive plays. So I, I just think that from a matchup point of view, this sets up for the Packers hanging around here. Um, you know, the Bills aren't a run team. Packers good pasty. The Packers, only they're moving the ball well, and they're doing it just like Rodgers figuring it out, running it, short passes. That's what they're going to have to do it. And that's kind of how you have to move the ball against the Bills, also against their pressure. So I think from a scheme perspective, this matchup actually works out fairly well for the Packers. Also think we're buying low on them here. And the Bills have been greatest favorites. Allen is 12-5-2 and laying more than six points. But that's hard to do this year. Remember, scoring environment is down. Dogs of four-plus points are 37-18 and 18 this year against the spread, 67%. So I'll go to battle with Rodgers, catching 11 here on the road in what I think is not the worst matchup in the world for the Packers who also haven't been as bad as they've looked at times. So give me Green Bay. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot to unpack, no pun intended here. Um, first <laughs> of all, I can't believe you just went into a rant about the Packer defense when, like, if they, if we were on the other side of this, you would have been like, yo, but look who they faced. Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, the New England backups. There, but, but did, no, we, not, did we not think that the Packers' pass team was going to be good this year? No, no, we did. We did. But I have seven trends against the spread supporting the Packers uh, popping up for me in Action Lab. So, like, it, it's definitely one of these spots where it's, like, it's an uncomfortable play. Uh, it's probably the right play. Um, but, it, you know, at the same time, there are there are some things I'm concerned with. Number one was you just mentioned Alexander. There are 11-point uh, dogs. You, you, there, are, there definitely yeah. should be some things that we should be concerned about. No, no. I mean, like, so Alexander, like – I don't know what's going on with him because, you know, he's got this reputation. We all love him. We think he's great. He got paid, obviously. But every time we see him against a team with a, with a great number one receiver, things are not going well. Like, first, it was like the, they didn't shadow him in the opening game, and Justin Jefferson goes crazy. And then last week, he does shadow Terry McLaurin, and McLaurin catch, catches a, a go-ahead touchdown. He catches the game-sealing catch like, I, those like, I were ridiculous throw, like fluky throws come on i mean yeah but i'm just saying like, i don't know if Jair Alexander is, like, from Heineke. is gonna like do anything against digs uh and i also like i this packers offense. i mean the, the trend is disturbing like yeah they have decent metrics on the year 
Uh, but like, just listen to it because you mentioned you're like, okay, they're still gaining yards. Well, let, let's start with New England uh, in week four. Okay, 443 yards. Next week against the Giants, 301. Next week against the Jets, 278. Next week against the Commanders, 232. So like, that is a very disturbing downward trend here. Uh, so like, you know, like, I, I get it. It's, 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 you can't bet the bills in this spot. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I can. Well, so, like you said, they, they've been <laughs> trending down. I'm yeah. trying to catch the falling knife. I could be wrong. What gave me confidence is that I've had a good read on them all year. <laughs> and I went back and looked and I was seven and zero in their games. So hopefully we can go to eight now. So we'll say, let's go pack, go pack, go. All right. That is going to wrap it up for our week eight Sunday six pack. And you kind of saved us with the with Aaron Rodgers here because we had well yeah you had Kyler too, uh, and Jared Goff and then I had PJ Walker, Heineke and Jimmy G. So yeah, if you're not if not for Rodgers and Goff, I mean I should I should just say Kyler's probably the best quarterback that uh, that that we have here at this point. So you have Arizona plus three and a half, Green Bay plus ten and a half, Detroit plus three and a half. Uh, I have Carolina plus four and a half, Washington plus three, and the Niners minus. One and a half. Now it's time for the week eight coaches pep talk. This is unbelievable. Oh, who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. Man, I mean, there's so many way- coaches that need a pep talk this week. Like, do we want to go with Todd Bowles? Do we want to go with Frank Reich? Do we want to go with LaFleur? I, I mean, there- there's like endless options. Hey, let's go with LaFleur. Get the right. boys a cover this week. This week's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from Al Pacino in the 1990 film Dick Tracy, and we are dedicating it to Matt LaFleur. Doesn't your work mean anything to you anymore? Have you no sense of pride in what you do? No sense of duty? No sense of destiny? I'm looking for generals! What do I got? Foot soldiers! All right, now let's get into our favorite total of the week. All right, where are you going? All right, I'm going to go Patriots-Jets. Under 40 and a half divisional unders this season, I think are 40 and 15, something ridiculous. We always like divisional unders regardless of this time of year, but this year in this lower scoring environment with these two offenses, like there's all the controversy around Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi's my guy. I think he's going to be good. He got to play two of the best, the worst defenses in the league. He's still got some work to do. Mac Jones has been lost. I mean, Bailey Zappi's been much better than this year. He still might have some rust coming back. He didn't get the and the Jets defense has been very good. And have we forgotten that like Zappy or Jones are working with a very limited wide receiver room? Like this isn't a great offense that the Patriots have. The other side, the Jets offense is lost. Lost. This is uh, a horrifying offense that now doesn't have another an offensive lineman got hurt. And now you don't have Brees Hall, like your only promising player, because who cares you have a receiver? Because you have a quarterback who cannot get you the ball. Zach Wilson has now dropped to 35th out of 36 qualified quarterbacks in EPA per plus CPOE. That's completion percentage over expectation composite. Only him and Baker Mayfield are negative in that statistic on the year. He had a 29% success rate. These are poverty success rates for a quarterback in the NFL. 32% the past two weeks. He's awful. Horrendous. He's going to be seeing ghosts. Uh, Patriots have won 12 straight in the series, by the way. And for what it's worth, Bill Belichick is 39-7-1 against the spread, 84.1% after a loss as a dog or favorite of under seven points. 39-7-1 against the spread after a loss as a dog or favorite under seven points. How about on the road in that situation? Because I bet them twice on the road in that situation this year, and they've covered them both. 
26-3-1, covering by 10 points per game. Uh, you want to talk about the game? I've had enough of that. <laughs> Insanity. And it hasn't all been with Brady. It's been with Castle. It's been twice this year. So I think the Patriots get it done here. But it's going to be low score. It's going to be ugly. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if the Jets pull another – if the Jets pull out another luck box, whatever, they are going to get boat raced by the Buffalo next week because Zach Wilson is incapable of keeping up with a competent offense. And the Patriots aren't a competent offense right now. And the Jets haven't faced a competent offense besides the Ra- the Ravens and the Bengals who blew them out. They faced nothing but backup quarterbacks the entire year. And you could argue that they're face- they'll face a backup quarterback no matter who plays for the Patriots this week. So, yeah, this will be ugly, hard-fought. Patriots defense bounces back here. Low scoring, low, low scoring. You just got to hope for no uh, fluke defensive and special teams touchdowns. Give me the under. Yeah, I, I mean, Jesus. I go, We go head-to-head last week. I, I end up uh, coming out on the right side, and then you steal two of the plays that I wanted for the show because I, <laughs> I definitely wanted this under – uh, as well, I mean, Brees Hall is just a massive loss. He's averaging 5.8 yards per carry and a 51% success rate. Michael Carter, 3.4 yards per carry, 45% success rate. What does that mean? They're going to be in a ton of third and longs. And Zach Wilson, first of all, they're they're averaging 7.6 yards to go on third down with Wilson, which would rank uh, like tied for second longest uh, over the full year. Their third down conversion rate is bottom five. When he's pressured. His passer rating is 12.7. The Patriots are a top 12 team in pressure. And Wilson is averaging only 1.7 yards per attempt under pressure. So, like, people would think, like, okay, well, look at what Chicago did. Well, that's a different offense. Like, under pressure, Justin Fields will take a lot of sacks, but he also averages 8.1 yards per pass attempt when he actually gets a pass off under pressure. And he scrambles about 28% of the time. Wilson scrambles 7% of the time. So, like – Fields Justin Matt Fields Chicago. is also a lot faster than yeah. Zach Wilson. It's just a it's just a much more dangerous, like high variance offense. Uh in you know, those Chicago Bears, even when you're, you know, kind of playing it right, things can still break down. Whereas this Jets team, uh, you know, yeah, it, it's 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 not gonna happen. So yeah, I'll be on this one. Uh this is this is actually my favorite uh total of the week, too. So I am actually going to ask your help here. Because there's a couple of totals that I'm thinking about going with. And I want to hear your opinion on them. So uh, the first one is Giant Seattle uh, under 44 and a half. Uh, basically, the thinking there, uh, you could get some rain. Um, the Giants have not allowed more than 23 points all year. And Seattle has no Metcalf. Pete Carroll was saying today in the presser that he might play. He's not going to practice, but he might play. Maybe it's just a ploy, but um, he didn't have a torn ACL, which is what many thought. So he's definitely not out for the year, which is big Uh, for that game. I guess we can cover that game right now. I'll say no on that one. Well, maybe tentatively no, because the Giants, the floodgates are about like the Giants have been good. They're top 10 DVOA on offense. But yeah, I mean, now they lost another offensive lineman. They lose to tight end Ballinger. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And the Seahawks defense has been the last two weeks, the weeks one through five, they're 31st DVOA last two weeks. Number one, number one in the NFL against the Chargers and the Cardinals. I was and talking about that sh- that last week. Remember, I was saying, you know, yeah. this is the time of year when, like, you have to kind of watch. You can't just look at full season metrics. Like, you have to kind of look at the like the schematic changes and things. That and and like, I think Seattle and, just getting that like more coverage guys on the field playing more of like a well, it, yeah, it, but it also they have. Uh, I mean, everyone talks about Sauce Gardner. You want to talk about Ooh. the, I think the the 12th and the 15th corners, Kobe Bryant, the, the slot, but Tyreek Woolen has been mm-hmm. a shutdown corner 
for the Seahawks, especially of late. Just Justin Herbert wouldn't even throw at him. Um, and he's been one of the best corners in the NFL. He's like built with the same kind of Pete Carroll's always like these long rangy cornerbacks kind of says like Richard Sherman vibes and the way that he's built and these long, long arms. And so he might be a player. So their secondary is playing a lot better, but the giants floodgates are about to break on defense. Like I, their defense is really bad. And like, I think they're like last week, they gave up seven yards per play to the Jags who scored only seven points, 17 points. Um, they're getting very fortunate. Um, so I don't know, tentative on that one. I actually kind of like the Seahawks in this game, but maybe I'll just play them first half because the Giants won their sixth straight game coming back by one possession in the fourth quarter. So I don't know. But uh, the line's probably about right. If you got to blow three, uh, that was probably okay, so the flag. The, What's the other one? So there are a couple others. The, the, the first one was uh, the Denver-Jaguar-London game, uh, just because Denver, I, I, you know, I think – the pressure that they're going to be able to get is going to be a lot of trouble for, for Trevor Lawrence. And then I still don't, I'm not buying Denver's offense. And then the other one was the Houston Tennessee game. The only thing I'm concerned with is Houston is dead last in, in run defense DVOA. But like you, you keep mentioning Tennessee, really, they don't, they, they're good in the red zone, but, but that's going to regress, but they barely get to the red zone. Like they can, they can go a whole game without scoring uh, on offense. Like they did last week. So um, those are the other two I was thinking about. Well, yeah, yeah. Malik Willis might start. Um, I don't know. I would assume Tannehill goes, but their schedule is brutal coming up. They like got the Chiefs next week, so maybe it's like an ankle sprain. He's out of his boot, but Malik Willis would just introduce a lot more variance. But I, I think their offense would go in the tank. Like Tannehill has been executing some good throws on play action. They have the worst receiving room I've ever seen in my life. Like they're starting. Like Robert Woods is the star of the show. And then it's like Akina, and then they just put yeah. and Mason Kinsey star. Like their wide receiver room is. A joke. They just scored their first points in the fourth quarter on a field goal last week. I don't mind them. Broncos, Jags, for whatever reason, games go over in London. There's Russell Wilson uncertainty. I think Russell Wilson is proven now that he will be an upgrade if he's healthy over uh, Brett Rippon, who was bad last week. He actually was lower in EPA per play. The, the two worst quarterbacks in the league last week, EPA per play, were Zach Wilson and Brett Rippon. So I think Titans, Titans, Titans Texans division, yeah. that feels more like you. And then if Malik Wills goes, I think it's worse for the offense. That offense now is all about execution and timing. Like, it's not like you have anyone who's going to help him make plays on the outside. And he hasn't gotten a lot of reps. Um, and the, the receivers aren't good. Like, Tannehill's been really good this year, given what he's got. Um, so I think that if Tannehill doesn't play, I think it helps the under, too. And I, I don't mind the under anyway. And it's divisional under. I think Titans Texans is more your vibe. I mean, or, I mean, I could also go Commander's Colts under, but I hate going, like, multiple. Well, the other, the other thing with this Titans, tight Texans under, though, is, like, Davis Mills at home. He has 16 touchdowns, three interceptions, 7.7 yards per attempt, 250 yards per game, 70% completion percentage in nine home games, 10 road games, seven touchdowns, 12 picks, five and 5.8 yards per attempt, 180 yards per game, 62% completion percentage. He's a completely different quarterback at home. But Brandon Cooks might get traded. Nico Collins is hurt. So, like, their receiving core against the, the Titans' pasty is horrendous, by the way. And the Titans are running really good. Like, 80% red zone yeah. touchdown percentage, that's going to regress. They're, yeah. So, like, um, if you remove turnovers, the Titans are the worst pass defense in the NFL. If you don't have Matt Ryan, the pumpkin, just throwing them the ball. Yeah, yeah, let's go Titans-Texans. But uh, make sure you check the app because uh, uh, I'm not completely 
100% sold on. Made this pick on the fly, but uh, yeah, I'm leaning that way. Titans, Texans, because uh, I think you might get some value there with Tannehill banged up. All right, uh, let's move on to our teasers. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. If you don't want me to. Yeah, let's keep it simple. Let's go Broncos, Broncos country. Let's ride. I, it's I don't even care who starts a quarterback. I'm not going to bet them here, but it's really hard to blow this team out just because their defense is so damn good. And uh, it's a low scoring game. We both would lean towards the under, and I can get through three and seven. Pretty much the only thing I'm handicapping there. I have no interest in the side in that game other than that. And then we'll pair them with uh, a similar. Spot in the game we just talked about with the and another under in a low total that we like, and we'll pair them with the Texans teasing up over a touchdown in a low scoring game. Titans have been uh, so fortunate. I mean, they, they're averaging 19 points per game and allowing 21. Their wins have come against the Commanders, they were dominated, and the Raiders they were outplayed in the Colts twice, they were outgained, out yard, everything just got turnovers and. Couldn't even – defensive touchdowns, you name it. This team can't get margin against anybody. So, um, yeah, and by the way, the Titans, three of their wins have now come against benched quarterbacks. A lot of regression coming for this Titans team. So, yeah, I think the Texans, who have played this game close, and it's a bad spot for the Titans, like hard-fought win over the Colts. To, you're just sitting pretty in the division now. And uh, I think you're buying low on the Texans here, and Davis Mills plays better at home. So, yeah, give me Texans and Broncos – teasing them both up through three and seven in low scoring games. I definitely want to go with the Broncos. I don't think they've lost by what is their biggest losing margin? The once they lost once by, by fit like 11, 11 to the Raiders, but it yeah. came that was to a the Raiders. Game. Yeah. Yeah. But that game. also, that game changed on a, uh, a fumble return for a touchdown on a, a Melvin Gordon, like fumbled it, coughed it up. And then the Raiders returned it like 80 yards, flipped that game around without that. Again, they have another game that's not decided by more than seven. Yeah, I think I think I'm actually gonna go. Let's see. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh with the Broncos and I'll go I'll go Saints. I'll go Saints uh up to seven and a half, Broncos up to eight and a half. Uh saying I I think the Saints game kind of could go either way. Uh they could easily win this game. This Raider team is not super scary. Hopefully, I mean the Saints get some some guys back. It's 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 just kind of ridiculous how they've been struggling through injuries, but um I, I think this is gonna be Kind of a shootout back and forth game. I can see the Saints maybe losing like what they did to the Bengals 30-26, which would uh which would still cover a couple weeks ago. So uh give me New Orleans plus seven and a half uh with the Broncos. So you got Broncos, Texans both up to eight and a half. I got Broncos eight and a half and the Saints seven and a half. Now let's go to our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right. Did not hit last week. Niners got blown out. The Lions got blown out. That's uh, our first non non. Yeah, none, neither of here. us hit. Yeah. All right. So we got to get back on track. Where are you going? Uh, give me the Saints here. Jameis Winston, I think, has a good shot to play. But who knows? Even if it's Andy Dalton, I still think it's fine. But if it's Winston, you get a little more variance in there, which I like because he's been good as a dog. 
which receivers are going to end up playing or the guys in their secondary. The Saints are really beat up, but they've still been pretty efficient on both sides of the ball, regardless. Just been really unlucky in turnovers. So, you know, the their run D's been really good, and the Raiders have been relying a lot on Jacobs. And I think this game's a true coin flip. So I'll take the Saints at home off the little mini buy. And uh, if Jameis goes, I, I like it even more because I like my money on dogs to have some increased variance, and Jameis will certainly bring that. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals since uh, I did not take them in the six pack. Uh, I'll roll with them here. And I think you mentioned it, but Cliff, uh, as a money line road dog, 13 uh, and seven straight up, 65% uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, I think you have a good shot uh, at the Cardinals winning this game. We, we kind of both talked about how they match up very well with Minnesota. Yeah. So here's a crazy stat under Cliff Kingsbury when the Cardinals, are a money line dog on the road. They have won outright in each of their last eight games. Yep. They have an eight and zero winning streak as a under as an underdog. On you the didn't road. listen to me earlier. I already said that. Oh, I did. I thought, well, I, I, thought I, you... I know you tuned me out. I know most people tune me out. So, <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't really say that, that exact stat. Give me the Cardinals plus. 148 you have the saints plus 108 a 100 bucks gets you uh just over 400 gets you about 415 so uh hopefully we get back on the right track and finally we've got best of the rest the games we haven't covered in any other segment but are still as they say meaningful to some that's going to be a touchdown but that may be meaningful to some of you and you know who i mean all right, let's start with the Battle of Pennsylvania. We got the Steelers going to Philly, plus 10.5 are the Steelers in Philly, and the total is 43.5. Uh, lean Steelers here. Just, I mean, look, total of 43. Steelers defense has been playing better despite some of the injuries. They're getting healthier. But there's a battle here, and I don't know what means what. Like, one of my – Tomlin is a dog – in a rah-rah spot. He's off a loss. I would consider this a rah-rah spot against the undefeated Eagles. I'm going to look at you real close today to see if you're highly conditioned and ready to go. And if you're not, I'm going to put you in the news. He's 39-15-1 against the spread as a dog after week five, 72%. He's also 31-13-1 against the spread as a dog against a winning team. That's 70.5%. But there's this trend that rarely comes up, but it comes up like an average of once a year. Undefeated teams favored at home off of a buy and i think it has some merit because it's like oh we're undefeated there's so much positive mojo and enthusiasm around the team that you take those two weeks so serious and you come out at home in front of the crowd the crowd is also extra like we're out of, we're still undefeated off of a buy and you just took everyone's taking those two weeks so seriously if you look back over the last 20 years since 2001 undefeated home favorites off of a buy or 18 and one straight up, 17 and two against the spread, covering by 11 points per game. Mm. Um, so, what gives? I don't know. This year, I'd probably side with just give me the 10 and a half. There's going to be some variance here with Kenny Pickett, who's going to try to make some plays, but he's shown a propensity to throw some picks. You know, he didn't urinate down his leg, man. That's a great place to begin. I don't think Watt's going to play, which is still really big for the Steelers' defense. I don't know. This is probably about right. I gun to head. I play the Steelers, but no, nothing here for me as of now. Uh, it's probably a stay away from me because I, I actually think the Eagles can get it done here. I mean, like the Steelers aren't getting enough pressure, 
And I mean, Jalen Hurts, when he's from a clean pocket, he can throw the ball. Uh, Eagles are top three uh, in efficiency against man coverage. The Steelers like to play. They're playing the fifth most man. Maybe they don't because there's a mobile quarterback. But uh, yeah, I, I think this could get ugly uh, for the Steelers. And, and I mean, I like Pickett, but he just he's got to like take that next step. Like I, I hated that throw that that pick he threw at the end in my against Miami. Like yeah. just, just throw it out of bounds. Live to see another day. Run out of bounds. Like do anything. Not that. Yeah, it also looks like Lane Johnson is, which is big. He's supposed to play. Still in concussion protocol, but the report was two hours ago he's he's supposed to play. If like Lane Johnson was out and T.J. Watt was playing, I'd be on the Steelers for sure. Uh, Chicago at Dallas. Dallas is a nine and a half point favorite. The total is forty two and a half. What do you think about that one? Uh, I would lean Dallas here. I think it's probably my if I had to play a favorite this week, it would be Dallas. Just it's a tough spot for the Bears on a short week. After an upset road win, historically, this is, if you look, if you're into trends, this is not a great spot for the Bears. I also think that the Dallas, you got Dak back. We saw this last year. One of the reasons I liked the Broncos, uh, the Lions last week, Dak struggled in his first game back against the Broncos. Expected, right? There was some rust and you had to take some time to develop the timing. So I think the offense will look better this week. I just think that the Dallas defense can wreck complete havoc on the Bears offense. It's like this defensive front generating pressure against this offensive line and unlike the patriots the the cowboys have so much speed like michael parsons can like chase down fields and they can come at fields from multiple angles and just blow up this offensive line so i like what the bears did with fields running him a little bit more last week the cowboys have obviously seen that but you just don't want to play this cowboys team with an offensive line like the bears have and I think the Cowboys' offense will look better this week. So I think – actually, I would lean Dallas here. Yeah, I mean, here's a crazy trend. Dak Prescott going up against a sub-500 team is – He's doing money. Yeah, 22-8-2 against the spread, including 17-5-2 as a favorite. That would have give you a, a 46.8% ROI. And he's won, he's covered his last six in a row in that spot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's been money in these spots. Um, and I agree. I, I just think that that pressure for Dallas, I mean, the Bears, I mean, they, they, can, they can approach double-digit sacks in this game uh, if everything goes Yeah, right. this was his, before last week, this was a historically bad Bears offense that you couldn't, you couldn't go back, you know, 20 years to find some of the futility that they've had. Um and they broke out last week because of Fields' running ability, but now it, they could be in for a long day. Brad Rogers is going to be the official, so game will probably go over. His games always go over. I got knocked out of Survivor too, so we we don't really have a Survivor to talk. Who did about. you have? New England, but I, I had New England in some spots and Tampa Bay in some spots. So either way, I, uh, I told yeah, I don't think we have to cover Survivor anymore because I think anyone that's in it is smart enough to not need us. Yeah, uh, there's like ten people in, in any league. By the way. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this. Well, I guess I already brought it up, so I have to. But Christina, sure, who's on our video team, yeah. and they do a great job. She messaged me. She's like, I got to beat Raybon in Survivor. What should I use? And I just told her to use the Dolphins. So I don't, did she win? Or did she not I, I would, the yeah, Oh, I, I guess she must have. Either that or it's just her and like one other person. But it was down to four of us. But, yeah, no, that's a good uh that's a good call. I should have just used it. Well, I'm great. I'm great at Survivor after I'm eliminated. Uh, right. <laughs> by the way, the last thing I'll mention, Boger for Giants, Seahawks, Hockey Lee, 
is Panthers Falcons. Sheffers is Ravens Bucks. Sheffers is tomorrow night. God damn it. So those are the three worst refs in the NFL. Um, are, there, are there any trends with them? Like is Boger, he's a, is he an under guy or an over guy? Or is he just... They're just incompetent guys. They just, okay. they don't just, they're just, they're, they're high variance guys. Well, those are the three refs that throw the most flags every year. So it depends on like, it, it, there's, it's hard to draw any trends, but there's just increased variance because there will be more flags and more personal roughings. And so I genuinely hate betting their games, but it is what right. it is. Let's sweep. Let's, uh, how about I join you and we sweep the board this week? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Let's get this money. Let's go out with a bang and come back next week. Hopefully, we got six, six for six in the six pack and, and all of our other stuff as well. If you're looking to follow Stucky, you can find him on Twitter at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app where you can track your bets and follow ours as well. ActionNetwork.com for all of our betting as well as our fantasy football content and fantasywebs.com for our DFS tools and models. Until next time, let's get this money. Go back, go.